Hi, and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Benjamin. God is good, isn't he? He... He's done so much for us that we take for granted, and uh, we, we rest in Him. We rest in, in His capacity every day of our lives without actually realizing it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 um, you know as, a, as a speaker, um, I love speeches. And uh, I've got a book at home called Speeches That Change the World, and uh, you know, there's so many amazing speeches that change the world. What changes the world about a speech is that it's not the speech that changed the world, it's humanity's response to that speech that changes the world. And you notice today we're in a time where we hear a lot of speeches. We hear, we can listen to podcasts every day of the week. You know, some, of the, some people who talk to me who are listening constantly to the Word of God, they're listening constantly to, to, to preachers from everyone all around the planet, yet their lives are not improving. They're not more free now than they were. Why? It's because we, we can gain a speech or, or, or a message is only as good as the response to that message. The liberty of God is only as good as your response to that gift of liberty. Freedom is only as good as what you do with it. You can live in Noosa in one of the most beautiful places in the world and not access its beauty. The amount of people who live and reside in Noosa who don't access its beauty is, um, would, would amaze you. You see, we can get caught living the, the maintenance of life and not enjoy the liberty that God has given us in life. Some of the speeches that have changed the world are phenomenal. You know, we know, we know ones like uh, Dr. King, you know, I have a dream speech, you know, let freedom ring. You know, we think of Winston Churchill. He said, you know, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so few to so many. What an amazing message. JFK says, ask not what you can do, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ronald Reagan stood at the Berlin Wall and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You know? And what made that speech so great is that the wall came down. Roosevelt says this at World War II. He says, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Lincoln said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. These, these speeches were significant. They were significant because there was liberty on the other side of those speeches. There was unity on the other side of those speeches. But here's the thing. This is a secular book. A secular book. And at the top of the list, the very first speech in the book was a speech by a man named Jesus of Nazareth. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. See, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' significant message to humanity in the Gospels. It's when he said, okay, let's just lay down a few things. 
Let's, let's deal with some of the key issues of life. Let's have a look at some things. And, you know, when I read those chapters, you know, when I read, it's chapters 5, 6, and 7 of, of the book of Matthew. As I read those things, I go, man, there are some significant comments about the challenges we face and the opportunities we have um, with him in humanity. And I can look at those things and I can, and I can go, well, that's great. I'm going to have a look at them again next year. That would definitely worth the read. Or I can respond to them. When he tells me that, you know, I'm, light of the, I'm the light of the world. When he tells me that blessed are those who mourn, you know, I actually need to dig deep into those things. He discusses so many things. He begins with the source of our supreme happiness and he keeps going, talks about our visibility. You're the light of the world. And he goes on and he discusses the old law and how we need to look at it now. He deals with, he, he deals with hatred. He deals with murder. He deals with marriage. He deals with good works, how to pray. What do you do with your enemies? He talks about future planning, the order of life's focus, talks about stress and judgment, talks about many things. He talks about persistence, he talks about who to trust and how to, tr- how to know whether they're trustworthy. It covers nearly every aspect of life. Good, regular reading to get into your life and to consider well when you're making decisions. But here's the thing, Matthew chapter 7, right at the end of the greatest speech ever given in all of history, according to the book that I've got at home. He says this. I want to try something different today. Got it up on the screen there. I'm going to read a verse, and then you're all going to read the next verse, and then I'm going to read a verse, and then you're all going to read the next verse. What do you think? You with me? It's called responsive reading. I'm just going to test it. See what you reckon. I've got verse 24. Verse 24 says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Wow. Everybody say, wow. You sounded fantastic. Well done, everybody. I want, to, I want to suggest to you today that there were two houses built. And I want to suggest to you that the houses were identical. Identical houses. Two identical houses. Two very different foundations. So when you walk in the house, the experience is the same. When you, when you walk through the house and when you, you, know, you, you, you sit in the media room and catch, catch a movie... You know, and you, you go out and make, so get something out of the fridge. The exact same experience in the house. The houses are exactly the same, but the foundations are very different. Who knows that the house and the foundations that Jesus spoke about here is not just talking about houses and foundations in the natural. He's talking about us, isn't he? He's talking about us. Because I want to suggest to you today that houses 
represent the blessings and the favor and the family and the goodness of God. Foundations represent the principles, the wisdom and the commandments of God. One thing is very clear that we've seen from the beginning of time is that the wind cometh. Say to the person next to you, the wind cometh. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. We know that the wind surely shall cometh. It's a lot more serious when the King James says it. You know, wind's coming, isn't it? You know, and, and we, can, we can be living in the enjoyment of our homes, but when the wind comes, that's when you decide that you wish you had built your house upon the rock and not upon the sand. We see two, I see this regularly in life. I see two friends doing life together, and both of them get hit by the same trauma, by the same challenge, by the same accident, by the same event. One of them's life falls apart, and the other one carries on the course of life. They experience the same event, yet one carries on and one falls over, because one has a, a founded, one is founded upon the rock, and the other one had the same had the same dream to build this beautiful home but their foundation was not secure their foundation was not on the rock but building on the sand is attractive isn't it what's so attractive about building on the sand house goes up a lot quicker when you're building on the sand doesn't it you know you you can when you're putting up your tent you bang your pegs go in a lot easier you know your, your anchor points they go in a lot easier you can you can just screed that sand off with a nice piece of wood and you can start building your house all of a sudden you're seen to be a lot further down the track than the guy who's still jackhammering into the rock trying to get his foundations in there it's easier and it's quicker when things are easier and quicker, it's happy days, isn't it? You can drive through the drive through at McDonald's. It's easier and it's quicker. Rachel was telling us this morning that she was driving through McDonald's picking some food up for someone else and, um, <laughs> and a car broke down in front of her in the aisle and uh, she had to, she had to uh, push this guy's four-wheel drive out of the way. But here's the thing. <laughs> Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's less process involved in building on the sand, isn't there? There's less process, and we get to enjoy the house quicker. We get to enjoy, you know, the, the, um, the luxury of the home quicker. You see, we, we want to enjoy the benefits of being in relationship with Christ without the challenges that he presents to us at the same time. You know, we love the blessings and the favor and the healings and the deliverance and the, and the, and the hope in eternal life. We love those things. But when I say words like doctrine, definition, theology, systematic theology, you know, these words just make, you know, everyone shudder, except for Matt Leake and his team. You know what I mean? They're just like, this is, you preach it, brother, aren't they? 
you know, we don't like those words because, you know, they require us to, to get a frown when we're reading the Bible. You know what it's like when you're reading the Bible and it's, you know, you cruise down the page and boom, there's a blessing pops out at you and you smile. But when you're, when you're reading through the theology, when you're reading the first five chapters of Romans, you know, and it's basically telling how much we're all sinners, you know what I mean? And, and, you, and you know, you get de- more and more depressed and you just hope you can get all the way through to chapter eight when you find out there's now no condemnation in Christ. <laughs> But you know what? The liberty of the fact that there's no condemnation in Christ is knowing that without him, there is absolute condemnation. Without him, there is no liberty. Without him, there is no eternal hope. You know, and, and, and it's important that we understand that as we get rooted and grounded in the rock of Jesus, in the rock of who he is, in the foundation of his principles and his commandments, that when the wind that cometh blows... We're sweet. The house is, you know, swaying at the top, but man, she's sturdy into the ground, isn't it? It's sturdy into the ground. I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit impatient of instruction. And I don't want to learn from your experience. I want to have my experience. Sometimes I don't want to have your guidance. I want to do whatever I want. You know what I mean? Here's the thing with the rock. When you build upon the rock, the rock is in a certain place and you need to build there. When you build on the sand, you can pretty well put it wherever you want. You can put it right on the shore of the beach, can't you? What about the downsides? There's a downside of uh, building on the rock, isn't there? It's hard to dig into. It's hard to attach to. It's expensive. Here's the thing with foundations. Once they're built, they're pretty well invisible for the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but I go home and I look for our foundations. I can't even see them anymore. I don't even know if they're even there. This is the thing with foundations. They don't have the appearance of value. They don't have the... They don't have the uh, once you're living and enjoying the luxury and the, the, the comforts of Christ, their foundations, you don't realise how important they are. I challenge the young adults on this in the past. You know, if you're a second-generation Christian, sometimes you can be given a good foundation and not aware that it's there. So you gain a character, and then you need to decide how you're going to pass on that character to the next generation. You need to know what you're rooted and grounded to. So where the wind comes, you can anchor down. When you're on the sand and you don't have a strong foundation, you cannot anchor down to sand. You know, in the building industry, before anything is built, there's two key professionals that are involved. Ben will probably say three, but I'll just going to talk about two. There's the designer and there's the engineer. Sorry, Ben, no, no, um, no surveyors anywhere to be seen. <laughs> there's the designer and then there's the engineer. One focuses on appearance and usefulness and the other one focuses on structural integrity and longevity. Any engineers in the house today? All right, well, there's one. We apologise in advance. It's a lot more interesting having a conversation with a designer than it is with an engineer. 
Designers are, you know, they're talking about the windows and the view. They're talking about how this room sweeps into that room. You know, and, and the engineers talking about concrete tolerances and thicknesses of steel that you're never going to see. You're probably not, you know, you're going to pay for it, but you're never going to see it. Because by the time you walk into the house, it's done, it's built. The carpet's down. You don't even know it's there. The engineer tells you it's there. But it may, it may or may not be there. You know it's there. When do you know it's there? When do you know when the engineer's done his job? When the wind cometh. Sometimes reading this book feels like you're talking to an engineer. You know, sometimes, you know, we, when we walk through things, when we when we when we look, you know, at those those chapters of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivered, when we look at those things, they're challenging to the core. They don't sound like fun. They don't sound like a great experience. Loving your enemy doesn't sound like fun. But when Jesus says, "This is what I require of you," he's saying it from the perspective of engineering of anchoring. So when the wind comes, when the enemy comes, you're not, you're not disturbed by, by, by what he brings because you're rooted and grounded in love and your hope is in a different place. You're not anchored to this earth. You're anchored to the foundation and the rock of Christ, which is in eternal life. Every designer worth their salt has a very sharp-minded engineer working alongside them, challenging him or her to find the weak spots, to make it strong, and to, to make sure that the design in all its beauty and all its, all its functionality can last the test of time. You know, as we gain visions and dreams... As we go, it says in Acts chapter 2, he's quoting the prophet Joel. He says, you know, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. He's, he's saying, you know, he's saying, you're going to see visions and dreams. And he's saying, don't leave it there. He's saying, go to the engineer, go to the book, allow your visions and your dreams to be tested by the word, to be tested by the structural engineer of what, what I have done before you, where I have gone before you. You see, when we just get a vision and dream and build it without establishing it on the foundations of Christ, we are building on the sand. We're picking and choosing the things out of the scriptures that we like and we're avoiding the things that we don't like. It's like people. When you look around the room and you see people, you, you, you question that, that person appears to have a good character. That person appears to have strong values. But you don't really know the value and the integrity and the character of a person until they walk through the challenges of life. And as you see someone walk through the challenges of life, as you see them walk through, through the, the trouble of, 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 of life, their character rises to the surface. James says, count it all joy in trials as the testing produces patience. The testing produces patience. We never pray for trials. We never pray for trouble. 
But we're so thankful that God is enlarging us in our distress, that he's giving us everything that we need to continue and walk in our faith with him. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Why is it important to know the character of the people that you're doing life with? It's important because each of us, you consider this room, this church has a burden to carry. And the burden that this church carries is the salvation and the discipleship of this community of Noosa. And what it requires us to do is to be equally yoked. It requires, you know, you can look at your marriage, you can look at your business partnership, you can look at your church family. It requires us to be equally yoked. You see, you don't want to be pulling the ox next to you. You want to be pulling the burden, the vision, the dream. But you know what it's like when you're pulling a vision or a dream. You've got this great plan, but you end up carrying the ox next to you. It pulls you down into the ditch, doesn't it? Now, when you're thinking about all those people that you're in partnership with right now, I'm not actually challenging you about their faults. I'm challenging you to make sure you are the strong ox. You are the one. So that when someone says, I want to be equally yoked, they look at you and go, that person's, that person's solid. Isn't it interesting when we hear those things? I can read all of your minds right now. When I was talking about do not be unequally yoked, you were thinking of all the other people who are unequal to you. <laughs> and I want to remind you that this is for you, not for those other people today. So embrace it. Say, Lord, forgive me for, for, forgive me for that accusation in my mind. He's called us to be in covenant with people who have a strong foundation, with people who read the Sermon on the Mount and allow it to challenge their lives. God hasn't called us to be perfect. He's called us to allow him to wash us, to allow his word to wash us afresh, to not be offended by his word, to let it. You know, I've said this, if we are not reading the word in such a way as to be examined by it, then we are not reading it correctly. If we're reading, if we're scanning through the Bible, looking simply for blessings and for opportunity, then we're not reading it correctly. We need to read it in a manner that allows the blessings to bless us and the examination to examine us. And in that, we will see the opportunity. We'll get the vision, we'll get the dreams, and we'll gain the substance to walk all the way through to those dreams. When we take communion, we read... In 1 Corinthians, it says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Let's ask ourselves a question this morning. Do I take the whole counsel of the Scriptures? The whole counsel of God. Do I listen? You know, the trouble with the sandy guy is he never wants to feel unhappy. He never wants to be disappointed. never wants to be distressed. never wants to be discomfort or dissatisfied. And, that, and, and the, the problem with that is that to get to that space, you need to have dug down foundations. You know, we're, we're, we're in the process of building an honour wall out, out in our cafe area. And one of our fearless elders, Matthias Leake, was out there digging the footings the other day. And he discovered that there was a few bonus tree roots in there um, that we'd left there for him just to test his character. And... Uh, and he seemed to come through with flying colours. So um, be, be, a, be a good courage that you've got a, an elder with character. But it's, it's as 
we dig our footing. It's as we get rooted and grounded in his love. It's as we take things like the Sermon on the Mount and allow them to challenge our hearts and our minds that we gain character, that we gain um, trustworthiness, that we become salt that flavors, that we become light that shows people the way to the Lord. This is what we do. We, We have a rock that is our foundation. And what is that rock? It's simply choosing to walk in the will and the ways of God before you walk in your own will and your own ways. What does he say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's a, you know, we've, that verse gets quoted once a month in every, every church around the world, I'm sure. Because why? Because it's so significant that we understand that when Christ got up there and said, don't worry about all this stuff, he talks about stress and worry. And he's saying, no, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Jesus says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter heaven, but those that do the will of my Father. See, the challenge that Jesus gives us this morning is at the end of those verses, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him unto a wise person. You see, we need to allow the word of God to wash us clean. We need to allow the Word of God to challenge our unbelief. We need to allow the Word of God to challenge our brokenness. Here's the thing. It's not about being perfect. 1 John 1.8 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So our call is not to be perfect. Our call is in the desire of our heart. He He doesn't say perfectly live in the kingdom of God. He's saying seek first the kingdom of God. It's not about being perfect. It's about having a desire to, to, to do what the Lord has asked you to do, to, to align yourself with him and his ways. Here's the thing when we pray. When we pray and we say, Lord, set me free. When we pray and we say, Lord, show me the way. When we pray and we say, Lord, Give me strength. You know when you say the word Lord, it's not, it's not the Lord's, it's not a, a title that you're saying. It's not a, you know, it's, it's not his name. It's referring to your relationship with him. When you say Lord, you're not saying, hey Ben, can you help me with this? You're actually declaring who he is to you. And a lot of the times when we say Lord, Lord, we're just saying, hey Ben, Ben. We're not saying that. We're saying, Lord, we're saying, you are, you are saviour, deliverer, master, king. That's what you're saying when you, when you pray. And, and sometimes we just need to take a moment and remind ourselves of the relationship that we have with him before we get into a conversation with him. This is the beauty of worship on a Sunday morning before we discuss his word. We need to establish his dominion in our hearts before we get into a conversation with him. We need to decide who he is to us. Ask yourself this morning, who is Jesus to me? Who is he? Is he your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? Because it changes things, doesn't it? 
he who listens, who, who, who obeys these sayings of mine, I liken unto a wise man. Why doesn't the band jump up? True faith always shows itself in the outwork of our lives. Ask yourself this morning, how do I respond to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? He talks about, the, he starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then he goes on and deals with the visibility of our salvation. You are light of the world. He deals with hatred and lust. He deals with marriage. He deals with taking oaths. He deals with loving your enemies. He deals with doing good. He deals with praying. He deals with fasting in public and in private. He deals with inheritance in heaven. He deals with money. He deals with worrying. He deals with seeking his kingdom first. He deals with judging others. He deals with knowing people by their fruit. Will you allow every part of what Jesus said touch your life? No growth is comfortable in the present. No growth is comfortable. Most growth is painful. But we know that afterward it yields fruit. Here's the challenge with the Word of God. We tend to agree or disagree with the word in an area of our strength or in an area of weakness. We tend to shift our theology based on our experience. We tend to look at things like marriage. We tend to look at things like judgment and our enemies based on our experience. That person's that bad that I can judge them. Those people have done something that horrible that I, that I, I can judge them. It's okay. I can hate that person. The Lord's saying today, don't let your yesterday dominate your trust in me. Don't let the experiences that you're seeing in life dominate how you read my word and allow it to wash over you. Don't let the fact that you've walked through a broken marriage rob you of the fact that God has called that covenant the greatest earthly covenant after our covenant with him. You see, you can be broken in your lifetime and you can be a pillar of hope for the next generation. Your brokenness can be used as an advocate for the next generation's liberty. But it requires you to not be offended through your own failures. My failures are the hardest area for me to embrace God's challenge. Because I want a gospel that gives me permission to hold my head high in my own strength. But he's saying, you need to put your strength aside because it's only when you are weak that I can be strong. You need to lay your strength aside. You need to, and that includes the good things you've done, the failures you've done. You need to lay it all aside and stand on the rock because there is only one rock that you can build on. Everywhere else like the song says, is sinking sand. Both people have the same goal, to build a house, to enjoy the house. So here's the challenge. When you're looking at doing life, doing business, doing marriage, voting in the election, 
ask yourself this question. What is the foundation behind the promise? What's the character behind the personality? What's the substance behind the promise, the authority behind the power? Ask yourself those questions. There's an enemy and he's called the deceiver of the brethren. And there's a saviour who's called the way, the truth, the life. He's saying the way, the truth and the life, his foundation is visible and it's called the word of God. It's called eternal life. It's called a hope that's in, in, it's, it's beyond you. It's called creating an inheritance for your children's children. It takes the focus off you and puts it so far beyond you that your decisions today have got nothing to do with you but to do with liberating those in front of you. This word, the book, this word is full of stories that God gives a vision, a promise, an anointing, a plan, and then he allows time for the foundation of character to be developed. I don't know about you, but I want to be living off the rock. I want to be living off a foundation that when the wind blows, that when the relationship challenge comes, that when the heartache comes, that when the, when the storm comes, real or, or, or not real in the, in the natural, that I'm rooted and grounded with my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. You see, there's a reason that the speech that Jesus of Nazareth gave on the mount is considered across the world as the greatest speech ever given is because if you respond well to that speech, there is a liberty beyond every other speech has been ever been able to provide. The question today is, will you choose to put your foundations in the rock? Will you choose to put the house second and the foundation first? Will you choose to begin to spend a little bit more time with the engineer and allow those foundations to go deep and embrace the challenges of God? Why don't you stand with me this morning? You see, our nation and our grandchildren are crying out for us to be true, built-on-the-rock believers. Build on the rock believers who are, who are established because they want to follow us. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You want to make sure that you are following Christ because there are people following you. There are children. There are people following you that you don't even realize are following you. So you want to make sure that you're rooted and grounded. And when the wind cometh, you're not swayed to the left or to the right. You are established in his love and in his truth and in his hope and his foundation and in his commandments and in his liberty alone. I challenge you this week to read those chapters. Read those chapters five, six, and seven of Matthew. Allow them to pierce your heart. Allow them to disrupt you. Allow them to challenge your own brokenness. Allow them to wash over the failures of yesterday and bring a new hope for tomorrow so that your failures of yesterday, you can now be a pillar of challenge for tomorrow. You may not be able to experience the redemption on earth yourself. You may have lost an opportunity, but you can make a way so that someone else can experience his redemption. You know, if you, want to, if you want to make that call today, 
If you want to make the call that I'm a build on the rock believer of God, I'd love for you to just put your hand on your heart and allow me to pray with you this morning. Father, we hear your sayings. We hear your commandments. We hear the truth of your gospel. We hear the foundational words that you have delivered us, Father. And we declare today that we want to anchor ourselves to them, Father. We want to obey your sayings. We want to walk in your commandments. Lord, we want to embrace the foundation of Jesus, Father. So for every heart that has a hand on it this morning, Father, I ask that you would give them strength, to give them courage, Father, to seek out the the great engineer, Father, to seek out the word of the King of Kings, to seek out the truth of the greatest speech ever given, Father. We thank you, Lord, that no matter where we look, no matter where we go, no matter what has ever been written, said, nothing compares to the words of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for them. We give you glory for them today, Father. And we choose to allow them to pierce our hearts this day. You know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the beginning of having a foundation on the rock of Christ is to accept him as your Savior and Lord. If that's you this morning, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, this is your time. This is your moment. If if that's you, why don't you put your hand up this morning? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to introduce you to him and give you an opportunity to start building on the rock. One more time as I scan across the room. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for liberty. We thank you for freedom's sake. You have set us free. And we choose today, Lord, we choose today to walk in that freedom. We choose today to not be anchored to this world anymore. We choose to not be anchored to the shifting sands of opinion of man. We choose today, Father, to be anchored to the Lord who changes, to the Lord who never changes, to the Lord who is established, to the Lord who says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. We anchor ourselves to you this day and we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise and we declare to our brothers and sisters that you are mighty to save and we receive that salvation afresh this day. Amen. Come on, church.